You're listening to The Hero of the Story, presented by The Gospel Project. The Hero of the Story helps you study and teach the story of redemption from all Scripture. Now join your hosts, Aaron Armstrong and Brian Dembozik. Hey guys, welcome to today's episode of The Hero of the Story. I'm Aaron. With me, of course, is Brian. Brian, what's going on? No, not much. We have not done one of these in a while. Yeah, it's true. We, um, We've been traveling, so yeah, we've it's been, on the road. been a few weeks since That's we true. have recorded. That's true. Um, in the time between um, our last time together and now, I almost got trapped in Minneapolis. And yes, you did. I almost did, too. I barely got out. Yep. Yep. On and the way back from Canada, where it was warmer in Canada, in Edmonton, right, than it was even in Nashville. Oh, I know. It's terrible. It's terrible. Yeah. Um, and it was minus 58 Fahrenheit or something yeah, like the wind that. chill in Minneapolis. It was terrible. Yeah. Terrible. My yeah, flight just got walking, canceled twice. Yeah. I, so my labor was in Minneapolis. Yeah. On my way there and home. And just walking from the plane up the jet ramp, I could feel how cold it was. And I think it was like negative four when I was there. Um, and and it that was incredibly cold. So I can only yeah. imagine how much worse. Did you go outside when it was that cold? Oh, I had to. Yeah, you got to at least. I had to. Because you got to be able to say you did it. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, I'm a did little you cry? bit. No, because I'm Canadian. Oh, that's true. <laughs> no, we have iced tears. <laughs> We're used to that. But, you didn't uh, go out without a shirt on, did you? Oh, gosh, no. I never. I don't do that at any time. Because <laughs> well, I respect... The rest you, of humanity? You would have, exactly. You'd have many Minneapolisans, Minneapolisites, Minneapolis I don't know. There's Maybe a Barnabas Piper's people in tears. Oh, true. Have they seen that? True. Okay. But that's not what we're going to talk about today. Instead, we are, uh, you know, we're bringing our series that we've been doing for a little while on popular theology. So these, these, uh, these sayings that ha- have found their way into into our into our hearts and our minds and into our into our theology um, that may or may not be all that true um, so we've talked a lot about a lot about these for the last several weeks we've talked about um, how God w- how God will in fact give you more than than he yep. can ha- than you can handle and that's a good thing and that is a very good thing we've talked about how um, God um, doesn't help those who help themselves because if he if he only helped those who helped themselves we'd all be doomed um, we've talked about God gaining gaining angels and um, you know, God opening doors that maybe we shouldn't walk through, and um, and all of these kinds of or things. Force windows open. Force windows opens. Um, you know, force lightning. Yeah. yeah. No, no, that's Star Wars. That's a completely different <laughs> uh, religion. So we're not going to get in there. But um, but in order to to wrap this series, we wanted to bring in a special guest, and um, and that guest is Shane Pruitt who is the author of a brand new book um, that actually comes out the week this episode airs um, called Nine Common Lies Christians Believe and Why God's Truth is Infinitely Better. Now, Shane is... um, based in texas he is the director uh, the regional director of evangelism for the southern baptist convention in texas he's had more than 17 years of ministry experience as a denominational leader a church planter a pastor and a traveling communicator um you may have seen his writing on relevant magazine in christianity today uh the christian post crosswalk.com churchleaders.com Com, all over the place, um, and um, and most importantly, he is a husband and a dad. Um, so, Shane, welcome to the show. 
Hey, it's such an honor to be on. And, you know, y'all were talking about cold weather. I'm in Texas and I think it's 52 degrees. So I got a sweatshirt all year, you know, in Texas. If it gets below 70, we're freezing. Man, you're suffering for the Lord right right now. (laughs) This too shall pass. Remember, the Lord Lord does not give you anything beyond what you can handle. Remember that, Shane. That's That's right. right. That's right. I was, uh, when I was trapped in Minneapolis, I was actually trapped with a, uh, with a Texan friend, Jeff Metters. So it was a, it was a, terrible experience for him <laughs> because he was just like I went outside and it and the cold it, it literally took my breath away yeah. and and yeah. not in the sense of a terrible song from the 80s <laughs> awesome well it's a joy to be on guys truly humbled and honored man we are glad you're with us here yeah so so Shane we we gave the you know the official bio for you but uh, but what tell us a little bit more about about you so what is it that that led you to to start exploring the these common lies that uh, that we all believe yeah great question um, like you've already alluded to I served with the Southern Baptist of Texas Convention um, which is a little over 2700 churches across Texas um, so I oversee our evangelism department which uh, for us that means all the disaster relief uh, student ministries, collegiate ministries, um, personal evangelism, language evangelism, apologetics, interfaith, prayer, and a big conference called Empower Conference. So I have team leaders for each of those and then uh, people that serve on those teams. So I have the fun role of pouring into those leaders and working with churches and doing a lot of traveling and communicating. So I love that. Um, but what I like to tell people is my primary ministry is my family, uh, which is uh, my wife, Casey, we've been married for 14 years. We have five kids that are 12 and under. That is a prayer request. Nice. <laughs> constantly. Uh, yeah. And so our two oldest uh, daughters uh, are 12 and seven. They're both biological. And then our three youngest are both adopted. Our six-year-old is adopted from Uganda. Uh, our uh, three and 18-month-old, uh, I always like to joke, uh, they're adopted from the greatest nation in the world. Texas. And so I was wondering when we were going to go to that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, but yeah, how this, how this came about is our six-year-old from Uganda um, has a lot of special needs. Uh, he suffers from cerebral palsy, um, epilepsy, seizure disorder, where he has seizures every day. He's in a wheelchair. And uh, probably the, the whole first year he was home, you know, people, well-meaning people would tell us all the time, you know, uh, God's not going to give you more than you can handle. And, And there's no suffering like seeing your child suffer. So we were struggling, honestly. Uh, I was a pastor of a fast-growing church at that particular time. And so my wife and I felt like we had to have the outward appearance where everything looked good. um, And we could not share that we were struggling. I mean, we could, but we didn't feel like we could. And so I masked uh, my suffering with busyness. She masked hers with kind of turning inward and struggling with uh, anxiety. And then about a year in, we just broke um, and we just kind of hit our point of exhaustion and we just returned back to God's word, went through some great counseling, some uh, some great friends surrounded us. And, you know, sometimes the best way to move forward is return back to the truths of God's word, turn back to the basics. And that's what got us through those dark nights of the soul is the truth of God's word. Well, you know, we looked at that statement all through that year, and it was the one we heard more than any was, God won't give you more than you can handle. God won't give you more than you can handle. And we realized, you know, that's not even biblically true. Mm -hmm. And so when we got to a much healthier spot where we were able to be honest and transparent, we were like, what are some of those other statements that are 
uh, like you alluded to earlier, that we, for a lack of a better term, have adopted into the church, baptized them and made them a part of our vernacular. And that's how this list uh, came about. Um, I originally had written a piece for Relevant that was their most read article of the year called Seven Unbiblical Statements Christians Believe. And then that eventually turned into this book, mm-hmm. Nine Common Lies Christians Believe. And so it really came through our own personal journey, our own personal struggles and suffering and our own personal victories are really returning back to the basics of Scripture. And then what are some of these other cliches? And that's how the list came about. Yeah. I love, I love that it, it, it was born out of, of your personal walk, you and your wife's personal walk. I, I just think that, you know, it, it's, it's a great book and, and, and you bring great truths to light, of course, to bear. But man, knowing the origin of it is something that you walk through just just adds to that. I, I just love that. Yeah. Oh, sure. You know, and if you think about it, some of these cliches that we say um, are typically trying to either um, encourage ourselves or encourage yeah. someone else that are struggling. You know, for example, you alluded to God gaining angels, you know, uh, typically we don't just say that on a normal day. We usually say something like that when we've lost a loved one or someone we care about has lost a loved one. You know, you know we try to encourage them, well, you know, God gained an angel today. Well, that's not true. Uh, so usually we refer to these in the hardest times of life. Yeah. And I think that's why it's so important to dispel them as lies and to see that God's truth is better. And that's really what's going to get us through those dark nights of the soul. Yeah, that's that's one thing that Aaron and I, as we've been doing this this series, it's, you know, we keep going back to that. These are well-intended. Um, sure. And so we, we have tried not to really just trash on some of these um, yeah. and just really, you know, beat up on them and say, hey, if you've ever Keyword said this. try. Tried. Oh, um, try. I came close once at least. Um, <laughs> But, but, but our, our intention was, our goal was to say, all right, we don't want you to make you, know, make you feel terrible if you said some yeah. of these because your heart was in the right place. It just, you know, sometimes it's better for us to say nothing than say mm-hmm. the wrong thing. And sometimes sure. it's just a matter of us in that, hey, I just don't know what to say, but I, I'm here for you. I care about you. I love you. That is better than one of these, what are really trite cliches. Sure. Um, and, and again, they're, they're, they're erroneous. So... Mm-hmm. That's yeah, one thing definitely. that we've been trying to and talk about. And a lot of it's just regurgitation. The yeah. reason we share that with someone else is because someone shared that to us when we were struggling, you yeah. know? Yep. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, it's no point to beat up on anybody, for sure. Yeah. No. So, when you, when you were doing your your exploration of these, what... Um, what were some of the ones that surprised you the most that, that were actually ones that maybe you had just ass- had assumed were true? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. You know, I think some of those that you just hear and see all the time, I think where you, you know they're not biblically true um, when, you, when you drill down to theology and good doctrine, but you just kind of repeat it and you see it all the time. You know, some of those like uh, believe in yourself mm-hmm. uh, or, you know, follow your heart. I, I, can, I don't know that I've ever told somebody to follow their heart, but I had said things similar like trust your gut or what's your gut telling you. Right. <laughs> And so when you start drilling down and go, oh, man, you know, so those aren't uh, truthful at all. And some of them, like, believe in yourself, follow your heart. Some of those aren't just not biblical. Some of them are anti-gospel messages. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So let's um, let's let's drill into it. And you may yeah. not have an answer for this. And, and if so, that's that's OK, because it's probably going to be out of left field. But what would have been number 10 had you been able to add another one? <laughs> yeah, uh, probably uh, the one that y'all mentioned earlier, because that was actually in the original article, was God helps those who help themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and then probably the one I was told all the time, and I didn't even grow up in church, 
uh, which I know is surprising growing up because I grew up in Texas. Um, so, you know, I, I, it's always surprising when I tell people I did not grow up in church at all and didn't become a Christian until I was 21. Uh, it, you know, because if you'd asked me if I was a Christian, I would have said yes, because yeah. I live in Texas. You know, it's like God, country, and guns <laughs> on my way to hell. Uh, and so, you know, like that was, you know, so another one, uh, I don't know if I would have thrown it in there because I don't know if I could have written a whole chapter on it. But the one that I probably heard growing up, and we didn't even go to church, was from my mom and grandmother going, cleanliness is next to godliness. <laughs> yeah. You know? Oh, yes. Yeah. That was mainly motivation to clean your room. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I get that. Yeah. I mean, I guess I Leviticus that. talked about it a little Bit, but not like that no no um yeah no i mean i think, I think another one you hear in culture all the time is we uh at the end of the day we all worship the same god oh yeah oh yes probably able to make it in there you know? yeah and that's that's a significant one so we got volume two in the works there you go there yeah, you go so got, the sequel. <laughs> got the sequel so um so now you mentioned that um you you didn't grow up in church you you didn't come to faith until you were 21 i'm i'm really curious about that because i mean i'm i'm an adult convert too and um i was like 25 and um so can you can you give us the 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 quick the quick story sure yeah didn't grow up in church in fact the first time i stepped inside a church building i was 16 it was my aunt's funeral um, that was on a Tuesday, the follow or on a Thursday, the following Tuesday, the preacher and the deacon of the church made an unexpected house visit, just showed up at our house, you know, for Tuesday night visitation. And, uh, I just got home from basketball practice. My parents were in the kitchen cooking dinner. There's a knock on the door. And I mean, literally we had never had a preacher in our house before. We were just not exposed to this. And true story, I opened the door and I go, ah, it's the preacher and slammed the door in his face. <laughs> My parents were like, who is that? True story. I go, it's the preacher from down the road. And they literally start hiding things. <laughs> you know, like, wow. Those are the family pictures, you know, and there's like, and I, I kind of joke, my parents were probably the most moral lost people I've ever known. You know, they had a healthy marriage. We had a healthy family, just did not know Jesus. Um, so right there, um, that night, the pastor shared the gospel. Both my mom and dad surrendered all to Jesus, radically saved. Saw the biggest change in my dad. My dad was just, I grew up in the country. So typical kind of country, redneck, truck driver, hard worker, had an eighth grade education. The first time I ever saw my dad cry when I was 16 and he got saved. Um, it was amazing. Um, so that night I tell people I, I became more of a fan of Jesus because I repeated some prayer because they did. Mm-hmm. But there was no Holy Spirit inside me, no sense of being born again and what that means. And the following week we went to church and started going to church. And I literally went to church every Sunday, every Wednesday. But I was living this double lifestyle, especially at school. Uh, I was a teenage alcoholic. I was drinking every day. Uh, my senior year started smoking weed, getting high every day. I'd give myself away to any girl who would let me. Was addicted at things I was looking at on my phone and the computer, and um, really just dying on the inside and struggling. Well, I mean, I was spiritually dead already, mm-hmm. but I was hating who I was. Um, and it, it even became worse after going to church because then I knew I was a fake. Um, and then at church, uh, those five years, 16 to 21, there would be times where I'd go to a, uh, maybe a youth event or a youth camp or a college event. And my, I don't know if it was emotions getting stirred or if it was conviction, but I would literally say, God, I'm sorry. I'm going to do better. I'm going to try harder. I'm going to fix this and then run back to the same junk. Then the next church event, God, I really mean it this time. I'm going to try harder. I'm going to do better. I'm going to fix this, run back to the same junk. And that was that never ending cycle for five uh, miserable years. And then at 21, 
there was a guy that preached at our church for a college rally. I don't even remember what he preached on. I just remember he had this huge sword. <laughs> I don't know why I remember that. He had a sword as an illustration. Um, and at the end, you know, we did a, a invitation, a response time. I went down, began the same pray, prayer I prayed a thousand times. God, I'm sorry. I'm going to do better. I'm going to try harder. I'm going to fix this. But something was different that night. Um, it's like the Bible says, let those who have eyes see and let those who have ears hear. I could see how lost I was. And it's like I could hear like God beckoning me and wounding me just to lay it all down. And so I'll never forget this. Literally, my prayer changed. And in that moment, I say, God, I'm not going to try harder. I'm not going to do better. I'm not going to fix this. Um, I'm not going to change myself because I can't. So I give up. I quit. I surrender. I can't. And I think this is like anti-culture and anti-self-help and anti-what we hear, unfortunately, in a lot of churches. Um, but I think those two words, I can't, are sometimes the most beautiful words yeah. God can hear because the first step to knowing he can is admitting you can't. Mm-hmm. So I say, God, I give up. I quit. I surrender. And it's in that moment. I just felt like this weight lift off my shoulder, this peace that surpasses all understanding. And everything changed that night. Obviously, I'm not perfect, but I am saved. The Holy Spirit's inside of me and God's changing me. Yeah. on the inside out yeah. and so i think uh you know this cliche that we've all heard believe in yourself is very personal to me because i tried to believe in myself mm-hmm. i tried to fix myself and change myself and at the end of the day even if i could accomplish that that's more sin that's called self-righteousness so it was really in the moment that i stopped believing in myself um and i think matthew 16 24 has something to say about that you know deny yourself pick up your cross and follow me so it's really when i stopped believing in myself and really trusted in Jesus when God changed my life. Nice. Good stuff. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, praise God, first of all. That is uh, that is wonderful. And, and for the record, I would just say that if, if a man had a large sword and was telling me to trust in Jesus, that's probably what I would do. Yeah. Well, so sure, just, sure. You know, I just want to you know, finish exactly. that thought. But the yeah. difference is that Shane meant it. So. Yeah, exactly. That's the difference. <laughs> I mean. Yeah. So, no, that that that's amazing. And and I think that you, you hit on something really, really profound. One that um, just in general, as you as you brought it to um, the lie of believing in our uh, believing in yourself, that that in so many ways, as we think about these these sayings, they all kind of they all find their root in that um, in many ways, um, because they're they're all about our our desire for autonomy mm-hmm. um which really fits into um and you know maybe this is me carpet bagging the u.s but um <laughs> so i apologize um canadian she, you're missing you, with two different uh, countries now the u.s and texas I, I was just gonna say shane's fine because he's texan so he's he's a distinct nation this is a multicultural podcast it today yeah, <laughs> <a> podcast. <laughs> so um but uh but that 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 uh, that American you know yeah. can doative yeah. spirit the pick yourself up by your bootstrap yeah the solo bootstrapper mm-hmm. um, doctrine <laughs> and uh, it's 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 so pervasive and we just and and I mean it's it's how we've all been wired from yeah. from the from the get go from the beginning yeah we we could say that selfishness yeah. is at, is at the root of of all sin mm-hmm. um, sure but I think yeah we as Americans have really become experts in it. Yeah. 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 And I mean, if you think about it, isn't that really what ties back to the original temptation? You know, people always say, well, the temptation was eating the apple in the garden. No, there was plenty of other fruit. Apple was a fruit. Yeah. But in that, (laughs) ultimately, in that, the temptation that Satan used for. Adam and Eve was really a believe in yourself mantra. Yeah. Yeah. First of all, he challenges God. Did God actually say? So he's challenging the word of God. Then he's calling God a liar. 
And then he just says, the reason God doesn't want you to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because you can be like God. And so that, I mean, isn't that ultimately what the great temptation was, is believe in yourself? You don't need God. Be your own God. Make your own decisions. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And so that right away should should give us pause whenever we hear anything like that that is, that, that is encouraging us to... Um, see ourselves and, and trust in our own yeah. wisdom. Um, I mean, certainly God grants us all wisdom and, um, sure. you know, as we ask for it, um, but he also gives us counsel. Yeah. And even that it points to him. Yeah. It doesn't end in our wisdom. It, it's, we have to recognize where did that wisdom come from? As you said, it came from God. So ultimately it's got to get back to God. Exactly. And so if we're pointing to anybody anywhere else, but that, then that's a yeah. problem. Right. right. Yeah, no doubt. And at the end of the day, I mean, besides, I mean, I know we have Satan is out to kill, steal, and destroy, but besides the enemy, no one has been a greater enemy to myself than I have. Yep. You know, no one's lied to me more than I've lied to me. Besides Satan, no one's puffed me up more than I've puffed myself up. Um, and so, yeah, sometimes one of our greatest enemies is who we look at in the mirror yeah. every day. Yeah, I tell people all the time that, you know, I, I really don't need Satan's help in me sinning. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm pretty good at it by myself. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, no, and no. yeah, and I mean... You know, thinking about this, one of the one of the things that we we should realize is that ultimately it doesn't work, um, and not just from not just from the the truth of the gospel, but just even from a practical secular perspective. Um, I mean, what's the number one what's the number one section of every every bookstore that still exists? Um, <laughs> it's yeah. it's the self help yeah. section. Yeah. And but yeah. and they're releasing hundreds, thousands of titles in that section every single year and they keep not working. Yeah. And they yeah. keep not working because they're promising something that they can't deliver. And so we always have to go and find the next fix to, to yeah. try to get our, our to deal with this problem that we know that we have. And and, it, and the cycle just and it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse and snowballing um, significantly worse than a Dave Ramsey debt snowball. So. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. And I mean, and I shared this uh, in the book. That's one of the. The nine lies that I cover is believing yourself. And so in that particular chapter, I say, if you run that race, eventually you're going to end up in one or two ditches. You're going to end up in the ditch of burnout because you realize you can't do it. And mm -hmm. so you burn out and you quit. Or you end up in a ditch of arrogancy mm -hmm. because maybe some things do go right and you attribute that to yourself and you end up in this ditch of arrogancy and both of them are equally dangerous. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Now, there's another um, there's another lie that um, that you address. One that um, really stood out to me, which is is um, I could never forgive that person. Okay, and that's that's something that we um, we've all heard someone say at one time or another. We've probably read it on Facebook. Um, we've had conversations with yeah. friends, family. We may have said it ourselves or have been the person about whom it has been said. Um, it's incredibly pervasive. Why is that such a problem? Yeah, sure. Yeah, in that particular chapter of the book, I tell the story about a young girl named Ozzy whose mom was murdered and then Ozzy herself was shot twice and so I was speaking at an event. She comes up with tears with her youth pastor's wife. And um, she says, I'm holding on to bitterness and unforgiveness. And uh, really, um, 
in a moment of ignorance in my mind i'm like okay here's a 16 year old girl she's probably upset someone stole her boyfriend or someone made fun of her and then she shares this story of how god took her on a journey of forgiving the guy who murdered her mom and even shot her and what was crazy is that her bitterness and and anger for so long was that he eventually turned the gun on himself and killed himself so he didn't even she didn't even get to face him to offer face to face like hey you didn't break me you didn't kill me you know this hasn't destroyed me Mm -hmm. so she really struggled with that and for her she came to a moment to realize she was trying to control the situation and she couldn't so she was relinquishing control over to god even of the worst days of her life and through that god brought forgiveness and a bitterness and so there's real i think real stories like that where there's real victims um you know especially we see more of that coming to the light of people who are real victims um things have happened that are not fair not okay and so i think there's a struggle there of saying if i forgive am i saying that what that person did is uh okay or if i forgive am i really neglecting what really happened to me as a victim um but then there's also the you know the the opposite extreme of that if we would be honest so much of our bitterness and unforgiveness are towards really silly and trivial things yeah. and uh, i share this story um and with my wife's permission but i'll never forget when she was pregnant with our oldest reagan um, we found out um, that reagan was going to be a girl so it came time to pick baby names it was so funny of the things that we hold on to and we don't even realize it and so i'll never forget i said uh when we were picking baby names i was like how about you know sarah sarah's a a beautiful name it's in the bible and i'll never forget here's my godly wife the most godly person i know and like her whole demeanor changed and she was like no because when i was in third grade there was this girl named sarah who stole my lisa frank trapper keeper i never knew what my baby sarah she was holding on to this you know wow. and she didn't even realize it herself but that name just brought back memories you know wow um, so i think there's real victims and then there's real yeah. things that we hold on to that are tri- trivial and silly and sometimes they can be um both of them are really hard to let go of because to let go we have to admit that it's silly and yeah. trivial or we have to really deal with some deep-seated hurt and scarring mm-hmm. that took place from us being very real victims you know shane valentine's day is coming up as we record this and a trapper keeper might be just the gift for your your wife there <laughs> what's funny is i'm you you have to be careful of the context you use that in because uh i shared that not too long ago with a group of young adults and they had no idea what a trapper <laughs> <You're> like, what? <laughs> hey you know i really um this is such an important topic because, you know, as we think about our culture today, what we've been seeing the last, even the last year or two, you, you think about um, racism that has been yep. pervasive and just coming. I mean, it's always there, but it seems like it's coming to more of a head, an awareness yep. at least. And uh, the Me Too movement with sexism yep. and abuse and so forth. And, and we all are part of the SBC, so we have seen this come into um, yep. church life in a powerful way, in a, in, a, in a discouraging way, but also an important needed way mm-hmm. that we have seen um, our churches wrestling with, hey, how have we been um, when it comes to racial reconciliation? And we still see, I mean, just spend five minutes on Twitter and you'll see that it's hotly debated whether even we should be asking these questions yep. uh, by some. And also just today as we record this or just yesterday or day before uh, uh, an article in the Houston Chronicle um, detailing abuse, sexual abuse in churches that is I mean rampant mm-hmm. and so you know this is timely when we talk about forgiveness we talk about you know Shane you were mentioning it that, that there, there's some of these things that are deep that are hard yep. 
yep. um, people have been sinned against greatly. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, And we we just, you know, this need of forgiveness, this need for us to be able to navigate others who need to extend forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And what do we say to them? How do we encourage them? How do we point them to the gospel Um, without sounding like we don't care about what they've been through, without trying to, you know, downplay it or or excuse it or whatever? So this is a really timely conversation. Yeah. Yeah, man. Great word. Great questions. Yeah, I think first, um, as a as Christians, and if you're talking to a Christian, you, we start with God's word, the truth that's simply better. And you know, in Colossians three, Paul's dealing a lot with their identity and the light of the gospel, and because of the gospel, because of who we are, Christ is like now do these things. And so, you know, even in that Colossians three, twelve through fourteen, he starts out. He says like, because you're put on, then because you're chosen, holy, and beloved. And as he goes through a list of kindness, compassionate hearts, um, you know, uh, bearing one another's burden, there's this thing gets to this point. It's like, and if one has a complaint against another, forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. And he ties it back to the gospel. And then you got those verses that are very scary that you'd never see on a Christian T-shirt. You probably never see on a Christian coffee mug or a desktop screensaver with tulips in the background. But <laughs> where Jesus says, you know, um, basically paraphrasing it, it's like if if you you know if my if you forgive then my father in heaven forgives you if you refuse to forgive neither does my father in heaven forgive you so do you lose your salvation well as southern baptists we don't believe that we believe once you have the holy spirit you're sealed to the day of redemption um i think what he's saying is this is like if you can't forgive then you don't understand the gospel in your own life uh, because we've been forgiven much therefore we must forgive much and we can even say well they don't deserve it exactly neither did we so we start with that biblical foundation, but then when it comes to like the practical side of it, I think there's a lot of myths about forgiveness that actually hold us back from forgiving. Um, so in that particular chapter, I, I even dispel like some myths about forgiveness. And one of the big paradigms too is defining like what you're trying to accomplish. If you're trying to accomplish forgiveness, then that's really between you and the Lord. If you're trying to accomplish reconciliation, that takes two people. Yeah. So I think a lot of times we we have a breakdown of what even the difference between forgiveness and reconciliation, right? See, if you're you're talking about reconciliation, that's going to take you and someone else reconciling, compromising, dying to yourselves, meeting in the middle. Forgiveness doesn't even sometimes have to involve the other person. I give you an example. You know, one of the myths about forgiveness is I will forgive them when they apologize. Mm. Mm. Um, They never get an apology. Um, They may never have known they've even hurt you or they may not even care. Forgiveness is between you and the Lord um, because you're the one suffering. You're the one not eating. You're the one losing sleep. You're the one holding yourself back in life. And so really forgiveness is a faith thing where it's between you and the Lord where you're saying, you know what? They haven't asked for forgiveness. But because of the grace of God in my life, God, I'm asking you to take this. And you're basically handing over the situation to God for him to be judged, for him to be in control and not you to be judge and control. And what's good about God being in control and being judged is he's good at that, you know. Um, and then another one is maybe like, well, if I forgive them, then I'm condoning their actions. That's also a myth. Um, you know, you can say what they did is wrong. I'm, I'm a very real victim. I'm very real hurt. What they did is sinful. It's evil. And yet I'm choosing forgiveness because of my God's forgiven me. And it's really a, a, a walk with your journey with the Lord. Um, you know, I think of another one is, um, you know, forgiveness means forgetting. Mm-hmm. I think that's unrealistic. 
um, to me, sometimes a more beautiful picture of forgiveness is not forgetting, but it's like, I remember, I remember how you hurt me. I remember the pain. I remember the brokenness. And yet I still choose forgiveness. To me, that's a huge picture of grace. Yeah, Definitely. Absolutely. Good and, and I think something that is important for us to remember, and you've, you've said this, so this is really just reemphasizing, but forgiveness like what we're talking about here is completely impossible apart from the gospel yeah um, it it's it's not something that any of us can muster up on our own it's not something that we can will to 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 come into being only yeah. jesus can do that in our lives only the holy spirit can birth that, a desire for that in us yeah. so i'm really glad that you you you've made this important distinction between uh forgiveness and yeah. reconciliation that it has to start between you and god before and and that's the foundation of that reconciliation if there is to be any at yeah. all yeah good word you know i say this often is that biblical you know when you think of biblical forgiveness it's not hard it's not difficult it is absolutely impossible um, that it has to be a work of the lord a work of the holy spirit in your life and sometimes you just have to like completely go back to like dying to yourself and going god really i need you to forgive them through me i'm just going to be the vessel (laughs) because i have nothing in me that wants to forgive them so lord it's completely got to be you doing this through me yeah yeah, absolutely. Well, I think um, that seems like a good note for us to end on with this conversation. Um, Shane, thank you so much for for joining us. Thank you for writing this book. Um, I know that we're praying that it's going to be super helpful for for all of its readers. Um, I know it's been uh, a big encouragement actually in my house. Um, my wife read it before I got a chance to, so um, and she really appreciated it. Um, listeners, you can get a copy of uh, of the book at. Uh, Lifeway, uh, Amazon, wherever you buy books, um, it will be available probably by the time you're re- listening to this. So, um, Shane, thank you again. And uh, Brian, good to chat as always. As always. Right. Thanks, Shane. Appreciate okay. it. Thank you Take so care. much, guys. Thanks for listening to The Hero of the Story, presented by The Gospel Project, a family of resources revealing how all Scripture gives testimony to Jesus. Learn more at gospelproject.com.